Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13. Good morning, everyone. Um, Exodus chapter 13, and, and uh, we've already started Exodus 13, so we're like halfway through. Um, we'll go back to the beginning, and I'll run through uh, our points from last week real quickly, and uh, that way you have some idea of what we're doing, what we're talking about, if you weren't here last week. Uh, we've been going through the book of Exodus. We started it, well, we started way back in Genesis, and just continue right on into the book of Genesis. Genesis is all about God rescuing his people from Egypt and then leading them. Uh, we are, we're right in the middle of this section where we're seeing that God is taking his people out of Egypt because they were enslaved there. And he's getting them out and now begins the real task of leading the people. It's, uh, it's one thing to rescue a stray animal. It is an entirely different thing to then commit yourself to caring for that animal, feeding that animal, shots for the animal, and uh, you know, putting up with the animal's uh, uh, previous behaviors. You know, the previously learned behaviors. Uh, that could be an entirely different adventure. And so, it's one thing for God to rescue His people, and obviously, God knows what He's doing. But now begins the real work of, of uh, uh, training these people, leading these people and training these people. Let me show you where we're at. There are two main divisions in this chapter. Chapter 13, the journey begins. The first was be mindful. And we saw there that God was reminding Moses and then Moses reminding the people Listen, we're getting out of here. We're leaving Egypt. We're leaving slavery, this life of slavery. And, and that's all that they knew. They had been, all, all of the people that are leaving Egypt, the Jews, they've been enslaved their entire lives. And so now it's an entirely different life. And he's trying to remind them to, hey, don't forget about God. You've got to remember to keep God at the center of, of what we're doing. Okay? Um, so what we saw in that section on be mindful, which was the first 16 verses, as you can see there, was a couple of things. Feast of Unleavened Bread. He was telling them, don't forget to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But the reason for that is because it would remind you of God. Oh, that's right. God took us out of Egypt. That's where the Feast of Unleavened Bread uh, happened. Uh, I don't know how many of you even know this, but that, that, this, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Jews celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread, is actually we're in that season right now. Uh, I do believe it just ended, I think. I don't know if anybody knows, but I think it just ended. But it's the, the uh, uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread was, um, we just went through that. Um, I guess not we, but the Jews. Um, and then they talked about the firstborn, dedicating the firstborn children to, uh, to God. So, and then giving the first of the animals, all of the animals uh, that they had. They were to dedicate the firstborn uh, of the animals to um, to God, so everything was about you. Got to remember God. Don't forget God. It's easy to do, right? You can be right in the mix, right in the middle of the whole thing. Uh, you know what God's doing, and and still forget about God. So it's important to remember. Wait a minute. You know none of this would be taking place without God. Uh, we have had. I'll, I'll use our group uh, as the example. We've had a lot more students showing up. Wednesday nights, I don't know if, you're, if you come on Wednesday nights, I know a lot of you do, but Wednesday nights, this, the room has just been absolutely jam-packed. And we could, I say we because I'm including the leaders because you know how sinful they are, right? 
we, we could, as a leadership team, I could, we could, we could all say, man, what a great job we're doing. Everybody's coming to youth group, man. This is just so awesome. We're doing such a great job. And the fact is that the leadership team does do a great job. But we recognize, you know, why are all these people coming? Well, part of it is COVID has some new people here because their churches aren't open or their youth groups aren't open. So they're showing up, which is a good thing. We're glad that they're here. We're welcoming them. Uh, But ultimately, it's God drawing people here. And we need to keep that in mind. Um, that, that, it's, that it's not something fantastic and great that we're doing. Now, as they come, we welcome them. They find a loving place here. Uh, maybe some of those people are you. And hopefully you found a loving place here. We're glad that you're here. But we need to recognize that that's God. It's not, you know, it's not like they're just people coming from thousands of miles around just to see me and Jacob, right? Well, maybe Jacob, not me. All right. All right. Uh, So so here's where we're at. Beginning the journey. Now, I love adventure. I don't get a lot of adventure. Uh, You know, it's it's few and far between because I'm a husband, I'm a dad, I'm a youth pastor, life is busy. And so I don't get out a lot. When I think of adventure, I think of mountains, I think of ocean, I think of uh, Joshua Tree National Park, that type of stuff. Um, Now, this... I mean, being a husband, being a dad, being a youth pastor is an adventure, you know, all all in itself. Um, You can you can actually Google this story. The guy's name was Larry Walters, Larry Walters or Waters. In fact, let me let me just check real quick before I give you false info. Larry Walters, Larry Walters, a 33 year old man uh, in L.A. uh, Bought himself. I'll cut the story real short. Bought himself a bunch of balloons bunch of uh, military-type balloons, uh, weather balloons, strapped them to a lawn chair and lifted up, e- e- expecting to not go. Uh, he, he was thinking like, hey, I'll probably, this, this should take me up about 100 feet. He ended up in the middle of the air traffic lanes. And LAX had to shut down while they tried to get this guy down. He actually went up in a chair, balloons strapped to a chair, so up was not, is like, 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 not like an original thing. Uh, he did this and actually took a BB gun with him because he figured if I go too high, I'll just shoot the balloon and then you know, I'll start to, you know, start to drop a little bit. Well, he got up so high that he got scared and didn't shoot the balloons. And uh, so they had to come and rescue him. Uh, but but it, it was, you know, some people are like that. Like just any kind of, you know, like what, what, what's the stupidest thing that I can do? That's adventure. And, and we do that. Can you imagine a lawn chair? I, I, get, I get scared going to, um, uh, we try to go to the L.A. County Fair every year out in Pomona. And uh, so you've seen these things. You know, it's, it's that, um, it's like a ski lift, basically, uh, you know, that they have that goes through the park. I get on those and I'm terrified. Now I get on them. But the whole time I'm thinking, you know, this, you know, there's like all there is is like a, a guardrail. Like I could just, you know, I imagine, you know, worst case, I just slip right under and fall on grandma eating her corn dog or whatever. But some people are all about adventure. And here what happens is that God, as he begins to take his children, the children of Israel out of Egypt, It's adventurous. Let's look at this. Beginning the journey, you'll notice the first thing is that they go by way of the wilderness. Verse 17. Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by way of the land of the 
Philistines. This is what would be referred to as the Via Maris. And along that path, there were um, uh, merchants, different places where they could buy food, uh, you know, they could shop or whatever they needed to do. There were supplies and different things. They could go along that route. But God instead takes them a different way. So in verse 17, again, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. So in other words, that was the closest. That was the most convenient. That was probably the safest for people to be traveling. However, God could see otherwise. And so it says this in the middle of verse 17, for God said, lest perhaps, or I didn't take them, take them that way, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So on that, actually on that road, there were also military, uh, Egyptian military outposts on that, on that road. So you can imagine as the children of Israel are leaving Egypt, uh, they may encounter violence, uh, the Egyptian army trying to stop them along that road. So God does not take them that way, even though that seems to make the most sense. It's the closest, seems to be the fastest. God doesn't take them that way. Now, right away, we start to learn lessons, don't we? That God does not always do what, in fact, rarely does he do what we consider to be the best route. Oftentimes, he is going to take us out of the way, perhaps even into the wilderness, because it's not just about getting to a destination, but about learning lessons along the way to that destination. An author, that one author said, I went for a walk in the woods and came out taller. What? Did he, did he actually grow in the woods? No. What he was indicating was that he went into the woods and that it was good for his heart. That, that, that maybe he went in with problems or with issues. But being going for a walk through the, through the forest, through the woods, gave him time to think and consider and maybe come up with solutions. Whatever it was that he meant uh, exactly by that. The, the idea is that, is that it was like good therapy for his heart and his mind to go through there. And so God, here in verse 18, notice what he says. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. So there were two different ways, probably lots of different ways, but God had his choice in leading his people. And instead of God leading his people, now pay attention because this gives us um, a glimpse into the heart of God. Now, now as we're reading the Bible, you're always going to see the heart of God. But this gives you a little glimpse into how God thinks and, and how God uh, uh, leads his people. Verse 18, instead of going the easy way, he goes by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. There is just something about being out in the wilderness where you're away from distractions. This is the reason why when we go uh, on, on retreats or camps, you know, for a weekend or for a week, this is the reason why we don't, you know, we don't, we don't take one of those trips. And uh, you know what? Uh, this year's uh, camp is going to be in uh, downtown L.A. You know, near near all of the bars and clubs, and you know the you know all the all the different shops, and we're just going to go down there and have a good time. We don't do that. What we do is we go to some place that is what we might call des deserted. You know, it's it's far away from everyone or everything, and 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 all of the distractions. 
Some of you were with us this past winter for the weekend of worship. How many of you went to the weekend of worship? Yes, some of you did. Very good. Had a great time. We went up to a cabin, and it was just apart from everyone else. It wasn't even the normal camp. You know, like, you know, you go to the Christian camp, and sometimes you'll encounter other groups that are sharing the camp with you. We went up to this big cabin and stuffed ourselves in there, but it was just, it was away from everyone and everything. I mean, it was bad. Even our phones wouldn't work. <laughs> but you, we, we go to these places on purpose because we see that this is in the heart of God to take his people to some of those deserted places in order to learn lessons. Now, God's got a plan. He's got an entire plan here for his people. And it, obviously, it will unfold for us week by week as we go through these chapters. But here we find out it's by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. Okay? So a couple little, you know, pieces of insight there about God. He does not mind wilderness. He does not mind adventure. In fact, oftentimes that is the preferred method. Let's, let's take the adventurous route. Another little one, I just mentioned it real quickly in verse 18, that the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks, that God is a God of order, that he does things in order. It wasn't just like, okay, you guys are set free. I'll see you in the promised land. And there goes God, you know, his convertible with his sunglasses on, you know, see you guys. He doesn't do that. He leads them, and it's orderly. Okay? So, what happens next in verse 19? The next thing that we see, this is a strange one, bones of Joseph. Bones of Joseph. Yeah. He needed those bones because, you know, Halloween was coming up, and he needed to put a skeleton. No, that's not why. Here, verse 19, and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Why in the world would he take Joseph's bones with him? Well, let's stop there for just a moment a moment, and remember who Joseph is, in case you don't know. It's like, why did they take the bones of Joseph? Joseph was the first Hebrew from... It is, it is estimated that at this time, the number of people leaving, like the, the people that we're reading about, that it, that it was, it's very possible that it was into the millions. Okay? Joseph was the first, they, and, and they, all, they, they all came from one family originally. Joseph was the first one of that family in Egypt. He had actually been attacked by his brothers. I mean, you think your family's dysfunctional. He had been attacked by his brothers and sold into slavery. Now, can you top that? <laughs> and he ended up in Egypt. And he's there by himself, separated from his family. He's a Jew, he's a Hebrew, he's there in, in the land of Egypt. And through, a, um, through God directing his life and, and planning out his steps, Joseph actually became, I mean, you, 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 might, you might say that Joseph became even more powerful than Pharaoh. It, we're, we're told in the early account of Joseph that Pharaoh basically just turned, he loved Joseph so much, and saw, noticed his wisdom that he just gave a, a, a responsibility of all that he had to Joseph. So Joseph was the first one there. And because Pharaoh loved Joseph, when he found out that Joseph had family, that he had a dad, that he had a brother, brothers, Pharaoh actually told Joseph, bring your family here. I'll give them the land of Goshen. It's theirs. They can, they can bring all their flocks and herds there, and they, it's, they can live there. And over 400, 430 years, I believe it was, things obviously changed. 
so that the, the Israelites, the Jews, Joseph's family that was all there, as they continued to grow and multiply over the years, um, from, from a different Pharaoh, they actually ended up becoming slaves. Uh, that Pharaoh was scared of them because there were so many of them, and uh, they, they uh, oppressed them into service. So, what about the bones of Joseph? What's the deal? Verse 19, And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath. Joseph had. He had he's like, hey, you're going to make me a promise. Here's, the, here's what he said. God will surely visit you. And you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So Joseph had faith. Even 400 plus years prior to what we're reading, Joseph believed that God would come and visit them that God would come and rescue them. Can you see that in verse 19? God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So he knew God's coming, and he's going to take you guys away. Well, when he takes you, I want you to make sure that you take my remains with you. Now, what kind of creepy thing is this? Is it just like, okay, everybody gets a, you know, a bone from Joseph you know, to put in your charm or whatever? What, what, is he, what is he doing? Well, it was extremely important for Joseph to recognize that Egypt was not his home. And that he wanted to be buried back in his, you know, where he came from. And so he wants, he, he doesn't want for his remains to stay there. He doesn't want for his remains uh, uh, to be to, to, to be buried in Egypt. I want you to take my, I, I know that God's coming. I want to go with you. I want my remains to go with you. So he made them make a vow, take an oath. And Moses is honoring that oath. Now Moses was not around. Sometimes you think, well, Moses was, you know, 500 years old. No, Moses was not around at that point. But he's honoring this promise that his ancestors made to Joseph. And so he, God will surely visit you. You shall carry up my bones from here with you. Now, in verse 20, I love this, verses 20 to 22. We're almost done already. It's fast. So they took their journey from Sakoth and camped and Etham at the edge of the wilderness. Wilderness. Camping. They didn't stop at, you know, the you know motel six or eight or whatever it is now there there wasn't some uh, a fancy retreat center but it was wilderness and it was camping and they had left egypt now later they will complain about this they will say man we, we left Egypt and, and, you know, all of the delicacies there that we had there, our homes and everything. And here we are, you know, wandering around the wilderness, you know, living in tents. Well, later on, it becomes their own fault that they're still wandering around in the wilderness. I mean, God's got lessons to learn, but we'll, we'll see their attitude and, and what kind of attitude they had and what God was doing. But here, uh, I mean, I just imagine what an exciting thing it must have been. What an exciting thing it must have been. I've done a lot of camps over the years. You guys and girls have been to camps, plenty of camps, I'm sure, retreats and camps. First night is always so exciting, isn't it? Trying to get the guys to go to sleep on the first night. It's the same thing with the girls, okay? For the guys, it's like, dude, you know, like, 
30th time, you're just done. You're like, shut up. <laughs> I have actually, uh, not here, uh, but at the previous churches that I was at, one time uh, uh, I, I took several of the guys. They would not be quiet. It was a winter camp. We were up at Green Valley Lake at the Calvary Chapel camp. And uh, it, it was, there was snow on the ground outside. They would not be quiet. I said, if you don't stop talking, I'm going to take all of you outside. You're going to do push-ups in the snow. They did not stop talking. Let's go outside right now. Go, went out to the porch in the snow. Give me some push-ups right now. <laughs> you know, all of these, they were young. Like uh, the, All of them were like uh, young um, uh, uh, water polo players, you know, so they're all buff or whatever. But they're out there in the middle of the night in the snow, you know, doing push-ups. All right, now back inside. Be quiet. You know, so the next time I said, hey, no more talking. It's like, cricket, cricket. You know, it's like you couldn't hear anything. Be quiet, you know. That's the first night of camp I, I, because it's exciting. You're away from everything. You're there with all of your friends, and it's just exciting. What's, what's going to come? What are we going to do? What's on the, what's on the uh, uh, schedule? What are we eating for breakfast tomorrow? You know, everybody wants to know that. What are we eating for breakfast on, you know, Sunday? Everybody wants to know that. So you're just so excited. And I think about that in verse 20. So they took their journey from Sukkoth, and finally they camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. They're about to enter the wilderness. They're camping. It's like, hey, man, we're, we're, we're out of, of slavery. I mean, they've been freed. Imagine how electric that first camping you know, night must have been. For years, for years you've been oppressed by the Egyptians, the slavery. And, and perhaps for years, not perhaps, I'm sure that for years you've been praying, God, when are you going to save us? And for 430 years, you know, they were there. And for much of that time, they were slaves. And they, can you imagine, you know, uh, you know, grandma used to pray for it, and grandpa used to, or great grandma used to pray for it, and then grandma, and you know, my mom, and you know, parents, and everybody's praying and asking God, and now finally this generation gets to experience God's salvation, God's rescue from Egypt. I mean, boy, what a what a what a what a trip this must have been, and and what a night it must have been to have all of these hundreds of thousands, or perhaps even millions of people. You know, you got this huge space out there, and it's just a big family camp. Like, you know, everybody's out there. They camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And in verse 21, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night. Now, we will continue to see God leading them this way. During the day, it was a pillar of cloud. What kind of pillar? What exactly did it look like? You know, was it, uh, you know, Roman Greco style? or I don't, you know, what, what exactly was it? It was a cloud. What, however it was shaped, whatever exactly it, it, it looked like, I don't know. But evidently, they knew. They knew that this is, you know, there's something different about this cloud. And, and here in verse 21, uh, uh, man, I cannot say enough about this. And the Lord went before them in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire. So at night, uh, because it was obviously dark, it's a pillar of fire. And you go, 
pillar, I mean, pillar of cloud, pillar of fire. Exactly, this is miraculous. But what I want you to note, take note of is this, is that in verse 21, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. I want you to understand something. It's extremely important. If you've been asleep the entire time, wake up for just a moment, let me share something with you, and then you can go back to sleep. I want you to see in verse 21, these words, and the Lord went before them. Skip a few words, and it says, to lead the way. The Lord went before them to lead the way. This is so vital for you to understand that God does not send you anywhere. You go, no, wait a minute, man, that's not true. You know, God in the Bible sent people lots of different places. No, no. It may say that he sent them, but it, what it does not mean is it does not mean that anyone that God ever sent ever went by themselves. Even if they were by themselves, they were not alone. God always operates this way. We learn something else about God here in verse 21. The Lord went before them to lead the way. God doesn't ever send you somewhere alone. God always leads the way. He's always with you. One of my all-time favorite passages, Genesis chapter 12, the call of Abram, the call of the wild. He invites Abram. Go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house to a land that I will show you. I'm going, I'll show you the land, leave all of this stuff behind, Let's go. It is always an invitation. God gives an invitation, come with me. Even if you, some of you will actually, somebody in here will actually become a missionary. And you will say, well, God sent me to the Philippines or God sent me to uh, uh, Tehran or God sent me to some place to be a missionary. And we understand what you mean. We'll, we'll understand what you mean. And we understand what, what missionaries, you know, when, when, when someone says, hey, God sent me to this place. We, I, I get it. Yeah, God, God called you to this place. But God didn't send you away. It's, it's, it's vital that you and I understand that we do not ever go anywhere without God. In fact, I will even go so far as to say we don't even go anywhere for God. It is always with God. There is never a time where he leaves us alone. He does not push you out of the car and tell you, okay, get going, go figure it out. He does not do that. He always leads the way. Always. It is an always, always an invitation. It is always an invitation into a life of faith. Trust me. Come with me. Trust me. It's always an invitation. You're never alone. Now the hard, the, the, the struggle, the difficulty is that I can't see God. I mean, even this 
pillar of cloud and, and a pillar of fire. I mean, those, this is incredible. It's miraculous. It's incredible. But you can't hug a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire especially, right? You can't hug those things. God, God doesn't, you know, that pillar of cloud and that pillar of fire that God is in and leading his people doesn't come over and, you know, put his arm around you because what would happen? You would get burned, right? So that's the difficult part is that I, is that I, can't, I can't feel, I can't touch God. I, I, I can't, he's not here, you know, in person with me to, to you know, when I, when I feel alone, when I feel like God is quiet, I can't just turn to him and say, hey, say something so I know you're there. Because when he speaks, he doesn't speak to us audibly. And that's why we always have to come back to his word and say, oh, wait a minute, that's right. I, I, don't, I don't feel God. I can't touch him. I can't grab his hand right now. Maybe I, I really feel like I, I just need to grab somebody's hand, but I can't do that with God. Because God is spirit. But I can always come back to his word and remember, and my heart can be comforted by the fact, the truth, that the Bible teaches that I am not alone. God is always with me, even when I can't see him, or I can't feel him, or I can't hear him, or I can't sense him. He's always there. He does not leave us. Does not leave us. And so as God is directing you through your life on a day-to-day basis, there will be lots and lots and lots of times where you feel alone, where you feel like, man, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not hearing God. I, I don't feel him. I don't sense him. I don't smell him. I can't touch him. I can't taste anything. I, I feel like I'm in this all by myself. It is so important in those moments to come back to the word. This is why it's funny how this works out. Um, we, we talked about this on Wednesday night, just this past Wednesday night. We were in Romans chapter 10. I don't remember where we were. Anyways, we talked about this. I know, this is what I told the group on Wednesday night. Some of you are going to hear this for the second time, sorry. But I told the group on Wednesday night. I know, I've been in youth ministry long enough to know that there are youth groups that are way more fun than this one. Like, why do we have to study the Bible so much? Let's play some games. And games are okay. I'm not against games. I'm not fun. I'm not very creative. I don't come up with game ideas other than like, well, I don't know. Let's, let's like throw rocks at each other or something. I don't know. You know, I'm a guy. I know that there are other youth groups that are way more fun than this. But when you and I are watching mom and dad talk about divorce, when you and I have our best friend talking about suicide, when I'm having relationship problems with somebody, and it's stressing me out. When school is overwhelming, in those moments, those moments of desperation, a game is not going to help me. The most extreme 
trash can game you've ever played is going to mean nothing when life is falling apart. So that is why here at Fusion, it's Bible, Bible, Bible. Because when you're going through life and you don't sense God, you can't feel God in your life, and, and you're praying and saying, man, I'm just, he, I don't think he's answering my prayers, I'm not even sure, and you're doubting, the, what we always want to do is, is come back to God's word and say, oh, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. There isn't anyone in the Bible that he ever left, so he's not going to leave me. It's important in those moments to, to remind ourselves to come back to this place and say, no, 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 no wait a minute, wait a minute. The, the thoughts I'm having, I, 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 maybe I don't sense God or I don't hear him, I don't feel him, but this, you know, to, to start doubting his existence or, or his care or concern for me, I, can't, I cannot question that. I, I remember what the word says. That is, why, that is why we spend so much time studying the Bible. It's a pillar of cloud. By day, pillar of fire by night, so as to go by day and night. Didn't matter. Whenever God was, was ready to lead them, whether it was during the day or at night, whether it was during the day when, all, when everybody could see them, they're out in the open, or whether it was at night when, they, when the wilderness gets even more dangerous. Did not matter. God was going to be with them. And finally, in verse 22, let's finish this up. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Even when they were inside of their tents and could not see it, yet it was there. It was always there. His presence was always with them. Listen, church, God is inviting every single one of us into a life of adventure. It may take you by way of the wilderness. But there's nothing to be afraid of. Because God is going to be leading He's going to be there with you. You will not be alone. And so our job, our responsibility is not to figure out like, oh my goodness, what's, you know, what's God's plan for my life over the next 20 years? Our job is just to keep up with him. As he's leading, I follow. Wherever he's going is fine with me. My job is to, by faith, follow God follow in the direction that he's going. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will not let you down. He's listening even when you don't think that he is.